1: My bungalow. (laughs) Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back.
0: Hello, and welcome to the 96th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we've got a ton of news to relay with a wide range of Jurassic goodness. We'll also head out on the game trail today, this time with Aaron Bayer and myself. He unearths chaos in Jurassic Park, a cassette tape choose your own adventure featuring the fun-loving robot 2XL. In that segment, we'll dive into an untold version of Jurassic Park that you may not have ever heard before, so stay tuned for that one, I swear it's really great. After that, we'll head into the audio segment and hear from Chris Pratt and a few others at his recent induction into the Walk of Fame. So as you might have heard at the top of this episode, this is episode 96, which means that episode 100 is literally right around the corner. Man, I can't believe that, number 100. That's so nuts! Anyway, we've got some fun stuff planned for you for the month of May, and especially the 100th episode, all kinds of new updates for the podcast, episodes built around the 20th anniversary of The Lost World, and we'll be doing a bunch of giveaways. The first giveaway item we have for everybody here in the U.S. will be the Mondo vinyl pressing of Jurassic World, the original score featuring the Black Double LP uh, with some really, really cool cover art. Now, for myself, the Michael Giacchino score blew my socks off, Um, And this is something you surely won't want to miss. Even if you don't have a record player, it's just kind of a cool collectible to own. Uh, Like I said, because of that awesome artwork around the packaging. And uh, personally, I love listening to vinyl and collecting them. It's kind of... It's kind of great to really have something physical after all these years of digital music. So we will be giving away this album to our listeners. Details will follow soon on how to get it. So stay tuned for that and for more giveaway information coming up shortly. I know all of us here at the Jurassic Park podcast are super excited to get to episode 100 and to do all these giveaways to make it a celebration for everyone. So enough of all that, it's a jam-packed episode this week, so why don't we get things started off with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world.
2: Eighteen minutes and your company catches up on ten years of research. Access me program.
1: Access security. These pictures were taken in hospital, on Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Like... Oh boy, I hate being right all the time. But today, I guarantee it.
0: First off here in the news, we just wanted to give you all an update on the Jurassic Park in concert dates for all those who might not have heard about some of the upcoming tour dates. Um, There's actually been a ton of shows released, so hang on as we get into a few of those upcoming dates. The first upcoming date is July 22nd in Philadelphia. Uh, The Philadelphia Orchestra will be playing Jurassic Park uh, at 7.30 p.m. at the Mann Center. Uh, Moving into August, August 5th, the National Symphony will be playing in Vienna, Virginia, uh, Jurassic Park at 8.30 p.m. at the Wolf Trap, I guess. the 19th of August, the Pacific Symphony will be playing in Costa Mesa, California at the Pacific Amphitheater. Um, that's also at 8 p.m. Now we're skipping ahead to October. Uh, for October 17th and 18th in France, uh, looks like the Yellow Sox Orchestra will be playing Jurassic Park those two nights at 8.30 p.m. So make sure to check that one out. Now moving into November, on the 18th and 19th uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia, for the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra at the Orpheum Theatre, we have Jurassic Park at 7pm on November 18th and 2pm on November 19th, so definitely check those ones out. And lastly for 2017, it looks like so far at least, December 29th, the um, Motion Picture Symphony Orchestra in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, that one will be at 7.30 p.m. So uh, that seems to be it for 2017. I guess at least at least until some more dates are announced. Maybe, we'll see. Uh, they seem to be kind of slotting them in here and there. But there you have it. That's a ton of upcoming dates from all around the world actually. So make sure to go check these out on their website. There's actually a ton of dates for 2018. Won't go ahead and read those all just yet. So make sure to head to our show notes to find a link to see all the dates from now until May 2018. So if So for Easter, the Jurassic World social media accounts posted a video showcasing some of the hidden Easter eggs throughout Jurassic World. Now if you're unfamiliar, Easter eggs are just hidden references, hidden that kind of refer to other things. In the case of this video, there was a shot of Main Street that The uh, video paused on a shot of the Spinosaurus skeleton with a blurb that said, The Spinosaurus from Jurassic Park 3. Now this is not something that has been officially confirmed before that I know of, so this is certainly a strange pop-up from that official account. Now these Spinosaurus fossils in this case do look very different I think from the Jurassic Park 3 version. Uh, So is this passing comment a flub on their social media account? or is it something that we should actually consider part of the official canon? You know, personally, I've never considered it to be the same one, a lot of people have, um, but I guess anything is possible at this point, right? The way I see it, this either could be an official confirmation, or they're just kinda saying, hey, there's a Spinosaurus similar to the one that you saw in Jurassic Park 3, but I'm not really sure why it would be that version. as they didn't really point out, you know, the Dilophosaurus, or they didn't mention this is the same T-Rex from the Jurassic Park series. So who really knows at this point? Anyway, it was just an interesting observation. If you want to see the video, check out the post within our show notes. (laughs) Sticking with the Easter theme here, Colin Trevorrow is still very much involved with the day to day aspects of the Jurassic World sequel, posted a picture on Easter of a very familiar style of incubator featuring seven eggs an orange glow, and maybe even a few bits of information to grab in the reflection. Um, I really wouldn't go calling this, you know, a spoiler or anything like that. It's kind of a bit of an assumption, but where do we think this picture is from in the film? Is it back on the island, Isla Nublar, or is it a new lab somewhere? Uh, Maybe Wu has set up shop somewhere else. Who really knows, but uh, you may even be able to see the reflection of a cuttlefish uh, in in the glass there, so... Is this set of dinosaurs gonna be camo again, like the Indominus? Now, purely speculation. Don't take that as official or word or anything like that. Uh, Anyway, if you wanna get a glimpse of that picture and make your own assumptions, head to our show notes. (laughs) A few weeks back, we gave you a glimpse at author Ethan Pettis' new novel, Primitive War, featuring dinosaurs set in the age of the Vietnam War. Now, the prologue was a great read, so be sure to head to Amazon to purchase the ebook or the upcoming paperback. As of this recording, the paperback is still in review, so it should be available soon for purchase. I'd highly suggest giving Ethan a few bucks for his hard work on this novel, he's a very talented writer, and this story is certainly something worth a look at for any Jurassic Park fans. I'll include a link in our show notes to his Amazon page where you can buy the book directly. Screen Rant recently sat down with Chris Pratt while out promoting his upcoming film Guardians of the Galaxy Vol. 2 where they asked him if he could reveal anything about the upcoming Jurassic sequel. He said, "Oh man, J.A. Biona. Do you know that filmmaker? He's a remarkable filmmaker. If you haven't seen The Impossible or Monster Calls, I mean he's really visually masterful. Deep emotions and suspense, I think it's going to be a scarier version. A little bit darker and it will continue to expand and carry the story forward in a way that's really unexpected and you wouldn't have imagined. So it's certainly right in line with everything we've been expecting so far and I think that comes with the territory when you hire J.A. Bayona to direct your film. Now the bit about carrying this story forward in an unexpected way is what interests me the most. Now you guys listening along with myself are some of the biggest Jurassic fans out there. So what's so unexpected that we wouldn't imagine what's to come? I know I am super interested and June 2018 cannot come fast enough. You know, it's so funny to me how a simple comment about a film can bring so much hype in our community. If you wanna read about that article and the rest from Screen Rant, you can head to the link in our show notes. Collider spoke with actor James Cromwell, one of the new cast members for the upcoming sequel, and he had this to say about the film while comparing it to his current smaller film. It's out of the sublime and into the absurd. It's just such a different world. The prop people had made wonderful things. The set people have made wonderful things. There's just so much money and so much power and so much prestige. It's Jurassic Park. It's unreal. And then you do your work and instead of doing it in a room, you're doing it in a football field size set with real recreations of dinosaurs, we had three full-size dinosaur bone replicas that came from a museum in America and five other heads. Money is no object. You take your time and you do whatever you need to do. The director, bless his heart, was trying to fight off all the executives. I probably shouldn't say that. So it, it did seem like a good comment at first, and then I don't know what to think after that last bit about Bayona trying to fight off executives. Uh, how serious was he being there? Is this, is there some sort of conflict on the set between Universal and Bayona? Uh, that kind of gets me scared a little bit, just a little bit, you know? Uh, but maybe he didn't mean it that way. Maybe it was more of his view on the big machine, you know, Universal, and, uh, Bayona trying to harness all that power. On the other hand, the rest of the comments are great. You know, he's talking about football field-sized sets with bone replicas and dinosaur recreations. It really seems like he's talking about that scene that we saw in the, uh, the promo photo the only one we've seen so far I think Um, so maybe he's talking about that museum area or whatever it is Um, I guess it is kind of good to hear that money is no object in this film but uh also went on to ask him about working with Bayona and he said he's wonderful I liked him a lot he does some very strange things at one point my character is supposed to care about this thing and I was doing my caring bit he came over to me and said if you want to break down and cry you can do that I thought Oh, really? Thanks. What am I crying about? And Gerald D. Chaplin, who had made three or four pictures with him, said, Did he ask you to cry? He always asks you to cry. He evidently has a recipe book of things to do to heighten an actor. So, I really wonder, what is he crying about? Is it uh, one of those fossils? Uh, A living dinosaur? Or maybe he has a little, you know, Mr. DNA plushie. I don't know. Um, anyway, Mr. Cromwell is a great actor and I can't wait to see him cry on screen. Let's just hope that that other stuff about the the executives doesn't mean anything serious for this film. If you want to read more, head to our show notes for the full article from Collider. On April 21st, producer Frank Marshall posted a set picture, along with the comment, Almost at the halfway point. Wow, that's crazy. It seems like they're moving along at a quick clip. It really feels like they just started filming yesterday. And uh, while there has certainly been leaks along the way as they filmed in London, I feel like we still barely know anything about this film, title included. You know, come on, guys. How about this week, please? please. Anyway, the post also included that picture that I was talking about, showing off their grouping of chairs with the names on the back, including producers Frank Marshall, Pat Crowley, Thomas Hayslip, Colin Trevorrow, and director J.A. Bayona. The picture looks to be in that same location as the official shot that I talked about, uh, released a few weeks back, featuring the museum-esque location with fossils and such. Now, this new shot features the likes of a model dinosaur inside a glass case, basically something that you'd see in a natural history museum. It's certainly an interesting looking theropod and uh, many people have been trying to throw out their guesses as to what it is I don't really think it's gonna play any kind of part in this movie aside from being part of the set decoration So it's not really a kind of a spoiler or anything But uh, I will be interested to see if we get a glimpse of it in the film uh, There may be a few more hints in that scene if you want to scour the reflections But I'll leave that up to your prying eyes if you want to see that set picture. I'll be posting it in the show notes
1: Oh, there it is
2: there it is. This is a game trail, Mr. Ludlow. Carnivores hunt on game trail. Hey, Ammon's coming online. Hello there! Some people think that robots are the future. This is a game trail, game trail. Thinking machine supercomputers and virtual reality displays. This is a game we call hide and seek. It's a scent drill. We've done it about a thousand times with these animals. This is a game, so, game, trails. Trails. game trail. Game, trail trails. Wait to engage. Look at these creatures. They've got millions of years of instinct in their cells. Instinct that we can program. Herd the animal into a kill zone. That's when we take our shot. Get a clear shot. Wait on my command, and give her everything you got. I hate
0: computers.
3: This new program's incredible.
0: Violence and technology? Not good, bad this is a game.
4: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another segment of The Game Trail, the Jurassic Park podcast segment where we cover all things Jurassic Gaming. I'm Aaron Beyer, and today Brad is joining me to discuss Tiger Electronics 2XL Talking Robot. Brad, how are you today?
0: Oh, man, I'm doing good. I like this. I'm not actually hosting a segment for
4: once. This feels good. No, it seems totally weird. I don't know (laughs) if I like it. Uh, But uh, yeah, so have you ever heard of this robot? Like, did you ever have one of these when you were a kid? you know
0: i uh i didn't actually um it's not until recently that i've heard about it through you and um yeah aside from that i have no idea what the stories and what the thing really entails and uh yeah i kind of feel like i missed out as a kid this would have been a really cool item to have
4: so this was like a really popular uh christmas item uh in the 90s i want to say that i got mine probably in 1993 um actually yeah it had to have been 93 uh because I got the Jurassic Park tape not too long after that. Uh, now, if you go on Wikipedia, you can see like a whole list of all the different tapes that uh, were offered and what he was uh, was like a quizzing robot. So you would get a tape, for instance, on like uh, like kid science. Right. And he would ask you a bunch of different questions and uh, you, like they were all multiple choice and you'd punch in your option. And if you got it wrong, maybe he'd like kind of make fun of you or, uh, you know, he was constantly like cracking jokes or, uh, you know, whatever. So. Mostly this was all about different like um, like quizzing and uh, different facts like sports or dinosaurs or uh, other scientific things. Um, but later down the line they started doing like choose your own adventure uh, stories with 2XL. And uh, there was X-Men, there was Superman, there was Batman. And one of the rarest ones is the Jurassic Park one. Um, It's actually so rare that it wasn't listed on Wikipedia until I went on and put it on there, and even on eBay. (laughs) I have not seen one of these tapes on eBay, so um, I'm pretty convinced I have one of the only copies in existence at this point. Uh, If anybody else out there has a copy, uh, we should figure out how to make duplicates. But for historical purposes i kind of thought it would be cool to uh do a few different stories uh with 2xl on the podcast here
0: yeah you know you, you told me about this a little bit beforehand and I, i'm so excited to hear like where this goes because i don't i don't know any like alternative stories aside from the the book that we have the books that we have in the the movies that we have so it's kind of fun to hear a different version in a way
4: okay yeah yeah i think that's really cool too like i kind of remember a very short one uh which was really fun and and totally different from the movie i do remember versions that were kind of similar to the movie Mm. uh but you know who knows we you know for listeners out there we don't know what we're gonna do today um we're playing this i'm playing this for the first time in probably uh 25 years and brad's (laughs) playing it for the first time ever ever yeah yeah so uh for the listeners, this is what we're going to do. Uh, 2XL is going to start talking, and then he's going to give us some options. Um, Brad and I probably won't talk throughout the entire segment, um, except for when he asks us to choose an option. Brad, I'm just going to have you choose whatever option you want. Yeah, And I'm nice. just going to mark that down uh, so that if we do this in the future, uh, we won't repeat stories. Uh, so um, you want to yeah. get started? Yeah, I think uh, people got to pull
0: up a picture of this thing while this is going on because – it'll help inform what this thing looks like. I'm looking at it right now and uh, yeah, this thing's awesome. And it does feel familiar as like a a 90s kids toy. I I guarantee I didn't have it, but I I have that feeling with a lot of toys from that period of time. Like, did I have them? No, I don't think so. Maybe my friend had it or something, but this is all new to me. I'm so excited to find out where it goes. And uh, I, I can't wait to be, I guess the storyteller in a way, choosing where we
4: go. Yeah, exactly. And and as far as like the rarity of the robot, I don't know how rare it was, but I do remember my grandma saying that, you know, she got the last two on the shelf at Christmas, <laughs> uh, one for me and one for my cousin. And uh, I guess some lady, you know, she tells a story that some lady like was trying to pull one out of her cart. Like, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's
0: like a very uh, like a very jingle all the way scenario. Yeah, like kind of like Arnold a jingle all the way scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah give yeah. me the two
4: XL. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, But yeah, without any further ado, we'll get started. Let's do it. All right, here we go.
5: Hello, I am 2XL, everybody's favorite storytelling robot, but you probably already know that. I was just reviewing a very interesting part of the world's history, the period when dinosaurs ruled the Earth, you know, before robots were invented. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to meet a real live dinosaur? I've heard of a man who was so interested that he created his own dinosaurs as well as a place for them to live. A place called Jurassic Park. During this story, you'll be asked to make certain choices from time to time. As usual, please follow all of the instructions. Only press the buttons you are told to press and only after you hear the word now. So get ready for excitement and adventure as you take a trip through Jurassic Park. But first, you need to tell me where you would like to begin this story. If you would like to start in the United States, press two. Or if you want to begin on Costa Rica, press
1: three. Press two or three now. Oh, man, this is tough.
0: This is so tough.
5: Quick, quick! Uh, two! (laughs) Where in the United States would you like to begin? Press three to begin in Snakewater, Montana. Or press four to start at an investment firm in New York City. Okay, it's up to you. Press three or four now.
0: (laughs) Alright, this is easy. I'm going with four. Four. New York City. Let's do it.
3: (laughs) Ed Regis pushes his thinning black hair back as he enters his office. Checking his appointment book, he sees that his first meeting is set for 15 minutes from now. He picks up the phone and calls InGen, International Genetic Technologies Incorporated. Operator patches Regis through to John Hammond's helicopter via radio phone. Ah, I had a feeling you'd be calling me today, Ed. As you know, Mr. Hammond, we've got a problem with the investors. Regis is referring to the fact that his investment firm has put a lot of money into Hammond's project on Isla Nublar. They are worried that it could prove to be a major liability somewhere along the line. That's a risk the firm does not wish to take. Yes, I know all about your firm's concerns. Now's not the time for them to get ice in their shorts, if you know what I mean. That's why we have to take steps to assure them that everything is fine. You know it is. We just need some third parties to tell the firm that. And that's why we're both meeting with expats who advised us when we began this project five years ago. Before Regis can continue the conversation, there is a knock at his door. He wishes Hammond luck and hangs up. What would you like to do now? Select one to stay with Regis or two to go with Hammond. Select one or
0: two now. All right, or two. I, think, I think we got to stay with Regis. Go one.
4: All right. I hope this tape doesn't break. Regis looks up from his desk. He is about to respond to the knock on his office door
3: when the phone rings. Regis answers him. Hello, Ed Regis here. Hello, Mr. Grant. So good of you to return my call. I must apologize as I have a prior appointment at the moment. Yes, thank you. Good day. Regis hangs up the phone and hurries to open the door. In steps a tall man
2: with dark hair, dressed entirely in black. He slips off his black sunglasses as he shakes Regis's hand. I'm very pleased to meet you again, Mr. Malcolm.
3: Then you are an exceptional person, Mr. Regis. I'll take a seat. Thank you. It was very good of you to come here today. It's not every day I get invited to watch a disaster in the making. Regis is dumbstruck. Ian Malcolm is a prominent mathematician. One of the leading authorities on chaos theory. Don't take it personally, Mr. Regis. It's just that what you're undertaking is impossible. To me, the mathematics are obvious. Malcolm explains that Hammond is trying to make an isolated world where prehistoric animals move about freely, without ever mixing with the greater ecosystem that is Earth. It can't be done, but we've done it. Malcolm is convinced that the project will fail, but is interested in seeing it nonetheless. The next morning, Malcolm and Regis find themselves on a helicopter, heading for Isla Nublar, just off Costa Rica. On board is John Hammond, the founder of the project, and Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler, a paleontologist and paleobotanist, respectively. As they fly in, they notice another helicopter coming in behind them. What would you like to do? Press A to investigate the second helicopter, or B to stay with Malcolm and the
0: others. Press A or B now. All right, i got to find out what's going on in that second helicopter. I'm going A. A? Yep.
3: Flying in low above the ocean, the occupants of the helicopter squirm about in their seats in anticipation.
5: Whoa, look. Did you see that? Something in the
3: jungle moved! Timothy Murphy shifts back and forth in his seat to get a better look at the island. This is annoying his older sister, who is sitting behind him.
5: How can you possibly see anything this far away? Because, Lex, it was big! Big and green!
3: Alexis Murphy, better known as Lex, lets out a sigh of disgust. The only thing she had seen was another helicopter go in for a landing.
5: A big green thing? Next you'll be telling me there's dinosaurs on this island. Could be. After all, this is grandfather's island.
3: Lex pulls her baseball cap down over her eyes. Tim presses his face against the window. At that moment, a large reptile about 15 feet long flies up past the helicopter on leathery wings. It has a beak-like snout, and a wingspan 25 feet across.
5: Oh my gosh, a pterosaurus!
3: Tim jumps back, bumping into the pilot. The helicopter spins out of control, Lex screams! The helicopter skins across the surface of a lake, before landing roughly on a grassy field near the helipad.
5: You idiot! You nearly got us killed! But that was a pterosaurus! Possibly a it
3: Meanwhile, the Pterosaurus has spun lazily back to the ground. Men are picking it up and hustling it into a nearby building.
5: We almost end up dead, and all you care about is some flying reptile?
3: The kids look up as the helicopter door is yanked open. A woman wearing a khaki shirt and shorts looks at them.
5: Is everyone alright?
3: The woman introduces herself as Assistant Park Warden Kelly.
5: Sorry for the scare. We were working in the aviary and we thought we had the occupants sufficiently trained. One had a little more spunk than we figured.
3: The children are brought to the main compound where they join their grandfather, John Hammond. They also meet Mr. Regis, a lawyer. Dr. Malcolm, a mathematician. Dr. Sattler, a paleobotanist. And Dr. Grant, a paleontologist.
5: I recognize you. I've read your book.
3: Have you now? sounds like we have something in common all right folks let's get this show on the road where do you want to start shall we start by learning how we make dinosaurs or do you want to head straight for the genuine article which would you prefer select b to learn how the dinosaurs were made or c to meet some right now
0: select b or c now. Let's go, on. B. B, find out how they're made. Hammond
3: leads the way into the complex. He enters a security code into the keypad next to the lab, and the door swings open. Here is where miracles are made. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce Dr. Henry Wu. An oriental man in his mid-forties steps forward. He holds up an orange-gold translucent rock. You may not believe this, but all of our dinosaurs start here. Dr. Wu explains that it was dinosaur blood found in a mosquito trapped in amber that provided the scientists with a starting point. They were able to unlock the secrets of the dinosaur's DNA, the building blocks in all matter. It took some trial and error, such as having to add amphibian DNA to fill in some of the blanks, but we've been able to reproduce authentic dinosaurs. Wu also explains that the dinosaurs are all the same sex to control their population. Lex, not really interested in dinosaurs, sees a door marked top secret. She hears something move behind the door. What's in here? Wu and Hammond quickly step in between her and the door. A special research, it's not ready for the public. Nothing that interesting, (laughs) especially when the next item on the agenda is a tour of the park. With that, Hammond bustles the group outside and loads them into a couple of electric cars designed to ride around on a track through the park. Have a good time, children. We'll have ice cream for dessert when you get back. The two cars move off into the park. Regis, Tim and Lex in the first car. Grant, Sattler and Malcolm in the second. What would you like to do now? Press 1 if you would like to go into the park or press 2 if you would like to stay at the control center. Press 1 or
4: 2 now. Where are you going?
0: Um, I'm going to go stay with the control center. Press 2. Let's do that. Really interested to find out what's behind the door.
3: <laughs> Hammond goes to the computer room so he can track the progress of the electric cars through the park. He sees Nedry lazily typing something into his computer. Nedry scratches his large belly, leaving chocolate fingerprints on his shirt. Hamm- <laughs> to himself that boy shall take up exercising the old man walks over to the chief systems engineers desk Arnold is bent over a video display of the area's weather pattern looks like we're in for bad weather Arnold tells Hammond that a storm system is now heading toward them Nedry choking on his soda Something wrong, Mr. Nedry? Oh I, uh, I, uh, oh, I accidentally got a diet soda by mistake. I better get another. Nedry quickly types something <laughs> into his computer, and then leaves the room. This storm could get pretty nasty. Nothing that'll harm the system, but I don't think we should leave those folks out there. As Arnold reaches for the keyboard, the withered video display goes off. He tries entering a command in his computer. Nothing happens. The system's frozen. I can't get anything to work. Arnold tells Hammond he can't make anything work that runs off the computer system. That means the entire security system is offline. And we can't bring the cars back in. Where's Nedry? We need him to fix it. What would you like to do now? Press one if you wish to stay in the control room with Arnold and Hammond, or press three if you'd like to follow Nedry. Press one or three, now.
0: Oh, I forgot what the numbers are.
4: Um, One, control room three, Nedry.
0: Wait, one, one, one,
4: one, one.
3: <laughs> Hammond stares through a window as the rain pours down outside. He begins to pace back and forth. Arnold is sitting at Nedry's workstation trying to bypass the lockout on his system. If I only knew what password he uses, I might be able to get into the system and sort this mess out. I hope my
5: grandchildren are alright. Where is that fat fool? He's been gone by nearly 10 minutes.
3: Hammond starts for the door, only to run into Dr. Wu, Wu is worried that without the security system working, something could go wrong with their special project. I forgot all about that. Arnold, you must get
1: that system up and running now. Arnold decides to reboot the entire
3: system. He shuts off the main switch at Nedry Station. All the computers in the room go blank. If it was that simple, why didn't you do it earlier? Arnold switches the system back on. All the lights in the room go out. That's why not. Rebooting the entire system has caused a power overload, and knocked out the entire island. Muldoon slams his way into the room, followed by Kelly. The park warden walks up to Arnold and yells right into his face. What the hell is going on here? (laughs) Security goes out, then the power goes out. Next, you'll be telling me the fences aren't electrified anymore. They aren't. A look of shock passes over Muldoon's face. As the others absorb this information, Muldoon leaps into action. He grabs Kelly by the arm and races for the door. Come on, Kelly. We've got two carloads of people in that park who have no idea the danger they're in. They hurry from the room. Muldoon is concerned about whether the people stayed in their cars or not. This will affect how they search for them. How should Muldoon and Kelly search for the others? If you think they should start, by searching the general area, select B. Or if you think they should start, by searching the last known location of the cars, select C. Select B or C now.
4: All right, let's go B general area. (laughs) We're getting real adventurous.
1: Yeah, we are.
3: And Sadler step out of the jungle as a jeep pulls up.
0: Muldoon and
3: Kelly hop out and run over to them.
5: Is everyone all right?
3: We're fine, but Regis is hurt. We left him with Dr. Malcolm by the cars. Grant tells them how the Tyrannosaurus Rex attacked the cars and injured Regis, and that the kids ran off into the jungle.
5: You better tend to Regis. He needs medical attention. We'll try to
3: find the kids. Then you better take this. He hands Settler a knapsack with a small first aid kit and some flares, then presses a gun into Grant's hand. Don't be squeamish, it only shoots tranquilizers. Muldoon and Kelly return to the Jeep and drive off. Grant and Sattler advance into the jungle. They have no trouble finding the Tyrannosaurus Rex, it is circling a certain tree. Into the branches. The kid must be in the tree. And since they're howling still, the T Rex is having problems fighting them. Grant lights one of the flares and calls out to the dinosaur. Attracted by the light, the monster lunges for the weaving flare. Grant tosses it over the edge of a steep embankment and drops to the ground. The Tyrannosaurus Rex loses its footing and slides down the embankment. It cannot climb back up. It's okay kids, you can come down now. <laughs> the kids climb out of the tree. The group must now find their way back to the compound. But which way should they go to reach the compound? Select one if they should take the river road or select four if they should cross the plains. Select one or four now.
0: All right, come on, one river, river road or whatever. River road? Gotta be. our travelers follow
3: the road that runs parallel with a slow-moving brown river from just around a bend in the road they hear something moving they carefully peer around the bend and are surprised at what they find who are you i asked you first no you didn't well i meant to grant explains that he saddler tim and lex were taking a tour of the park when the storm hit then the fences lost power, and a dinosaur chased them into the jungle. Sattler asks the two men who they are. First Nedry introduces himself as the island's computer specialist. Then Dodson speaks. I'm Dr. Lewis Dodgson. I'm here by accident. Dodgson explains that he was out boating when a storm blew him off course. He wound up <laughs> on the island and met Nedry. When Nedry explained sure. the situation, he exactly. offered to stay and help. Grant is suspicious. Nedry doesn't seem surprised when he hears the fences are down. But before Grant can say anything, a loud splash from the river draws the group's attention.
5: Look, a brontosaurus!
3: A dinosaur with a large head and long neck rises out of the river. It is casually chewing ferns that it pulled from the bottom of the river. Actually, Tim, that's its old name. We now call them Apatosaurus. It's a more accurate name for them. Fortunately, they're not carnivorous. Grant's last statement came a little too late. Lex, Nedry, and Dodson run for high ground. Grant, Sadler, and Tim quickly catch up with them. Nedry and Dodson stand apart from the others, talking softly to each other. I think we'd be better off without the dinosaur family here. Let's slip away from them. Press yes if you
0: want Nedry and Dodson to leave the group, or no if you want them to stay. Press yes or no now. Dude, press yes.
4: Come on. All right, yes, they're staying with the group. Or wait, whatever, it's yes. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. As the group walks through a marshy
3: area of the island, Dodson and Nedry slow their pace. The others continue forward, not realizing that the pair are falling behind. Once they're out of sight, we'll slip away and try to reach the compound before they do. Nedry agrees. It's easier to escape the others now, rather than at the compound. Now's our chance. Come on! The pair dash off across the swamp. As they round a grove of trees, they come face to face with a rather large dinosaur. Holy smokes! What's that? (laughs) The dinosaur is six feet long and four feet tall. It has a
1: large, beaked face with bumps over its eyes and a large frill about its
3: neck. The dinosaur turns around to eat a clump of ferns. Its large tail swings toward them. Look out! Dodson drops to the ground. The tail hits Nedry and knocks him into a mud hole. Before Dodson can move, the dinosaur sits down. Its tail lies across Dodson, pinning him to the ground. The thing's trapped
5: me! Somebody, help! Will you calm down? You're frightening the poor thing.
3: (laughs) Sattler steps out from the trees and shoos the dinosaur away. She helps Dodgson to his feet.
5: That was a protoceratops. It wouldn't have hurt you. Now, perhaps you'd care to explain why he left us.
3: Dodgson tells her that he thought he saw someone being chased by a dinosaur. He simply dashed off to help and Nedry followed. As Dodson explains, the group approaches a fence.
5: Well, should we climb over it?
3: What do you think? If you want the group to go over the fence, select B. If they should find a way around the fence, select C.
0: Select B or C now. All right, let's find a way around. Let's go C. C?
2: C?
3: insistence the group tries to find a way around the fence rather than going over it
5: hey everyone
3: look at this tim and lex point to a nest of eggshells tiny footprints lead off into the jungle i thought Wu said the dinosaurs were all the same sex to control the population
5: but he added amphibian dna to their genes
3: Sadler explains that certain amphibians can actually change sex for reproduction purposes. And that must be what happened here. Never mind that. Here's a hole in the fence we can walk through. Power returns to the fence. A live wire brushes Nedry and sends him flying. Grant suggests they give him time to rest. What do you think? If you think they should hurry, press 1. If you think they should take a rest, press 2. Press 1 or 2 now.
0: I'll give them a break. They can take a rest. Let's press 2. 2. two.
3: The group decides to let Nedry rest for a little bit before resuming their trip <laughs> to the compound. As soon as my hands stop twitching, I'll be ready to go. A rise in the land prevents them from seeing too far ahead, but Grant is sure that they are close to the compound. If we could only signal them. Sattler reaches into the knapsack and pulls out a couple of signal flares. Dogson lights one and throws it into the air.
5: Cool! Could I throw one next?
3: Grant wonders what else may see the flares. They hear a angry dinosaur from the direction of the jungle.
5: I recognize that sound! It's a Tyrannosaurus Rex!
3: They all peer into the jungle. A T-Rex is moving toward them. Don't worry, it can't get through the electric fence. Grant points out a hole in the fence that must have been made when the power was down. Just stop, Danny. I don't think it's seen us yet. Sattler sees a jeep heading toward them. The jeep pulls up in front of Grant and the others. Muldoon and Kelly help everyone climb in. We've got raptors on our tail. I plan to swing near the jungle and hopes they'll get distracted and leave us alone. Do that and you might find yourself face to face with a T-Rex. What should they do? Should they B. Try to drive through the raptors
0: or C. Drive past the T-Rex? Ooh. Choose B or C. Now. I think I'm going to go B.
1: Let's go raptors. B, raptors.
0: Raptors. Do it. Can't wait to see what's going to go down here. Man, Raptors.
3: Better the enemy we know than the enemy we don't know. When pressed <laughs> to explain, Muldoon tells them that the T-Rex has the advantage of cover, while the Raptors are out in the open. He heads the jeep straight back to the compound and the Raptors.
5: Brace yourself, everyone. We're in for a
3: rough ride. Grant notices Kelly loading a trink rifle with the strongest doses available. She fires into a group of six raptors. One of them jerks backward. The rest leap aside. I just sent that one to Slumberland. Everyone looks up at the roof of the jeep. Scaly hands reach down and claw at the windows. That repales in fear. Lex begins to cry.
5: Don't worry,
3: honey. We're not left yet. Sadler finds a stun baton on the floor. She opens the window a little bit. As the claw reaches in, she gives it a jolt from the baton. The claw withdraws. That'll keep him at bay. But not get rid of them. Hang on, everybody! All troops move the jeep track to the left and to the right. The wounded raptor flies off. As the door to pop open and he falls halfway out. His head is inches from the ground. Help me! I'm gonna die! He can see the raptor on the roof about to spring. As the beast oh. leaps and is struck in the belly with the stunt baton, the raptor falls away.
5: Let me give you a hand.
3: Edry is pulled back inside, and the group reaches the compound. Where should they go once they're in the building? If they should head for the computer room, press one. If you feel they should go to the infirmary,
0: press two. Press one or two now. Let's go infirmary. Two. Infirmary two. Yeah. Check it out. See what's going on in there. I don't know. We know about the control room, so
3: Hammond is putting the last bandage on Arnold's cut when Muldoon, Kelly, and Lex enter the infirmary. Lex, <laughs> thank. Goodness, you're safe. Hammond gives his granddaughter a hug and tells everyone that a rescue helicopter is on the way. And we'd better just stay in the compound where we'll be safe till it arrives. It's uh, not that safe, actually. Hammond tells them about (laughs) Wu's intelligent raptor and how it could jeopardize their escape from the island. And I guess I'll have to take care of it. Checking his drank rifle, Muldoon leaves the room. Where should Muldoon search for Wu's pet? Select one to have him search the kitchen, or three to search the computer room.
0: Select one or three now. All right, let's go three. Computer Computer room. room. Yeah.
3: We know a lot about a kitchen. Let's
0: check out the computer room now.
3: Muldoon carefully walks down the hall toward the computer room. Trank rifle at the ready. He steps quickly into the room. Taking everyone by surprise. Ah, well, Muldoon, if the dinosaurs don't get us, you'll scare us to death. The cover to the end pops off, and Wu's pet leaps into the room. Don't shoot. I may be able to calm her down. Wu is too late. The raptor leaps out of the way, and the trank hits the wall. The raptor knocks Muldoon to the floor, then tears up all of the equipment the computer system.
0: Join the others. Let's press
1: one. All right. Joining the others. Yeah, let's
0: throw a little chaos into the mix. I don't know what's going to happen here. Muldoon leads Brad, Sattler,
3: Tim, Malcolm, Wu, Nedry, and Dodson into the infirmary. Hammond asks him if anything is wrong. Wu's pets destroyed the computer system. I didn't think we should stay here. Let's head out to the helipad. But we'll be sitting ducks out there. Dodson reminds them that he arrived by a boat, which is moored at the docks. They could escape that way. Which way should they leave the island? Select A if they should wait at the helipad for a helicopter, or B if they should use Dodson's boat.
0: Select A or B. Now. I'd beat Dodson's boat for sure, let's do yeah, it. right, we've never seen um, that. No, that's something new. Gotta find out what's going on there.
3: The group hurries from the compound and piles into a couple of jeeps. They drive off for the dock. I hope your boat's big enough for all of us, Dodson. I don't think that'll be a problem. They reach the dock without incident. Dodson and Nedry lead the way to the boat. It can only hold four people. What are you expecting us to do? Uh,
2: sit on each other's
3: shoulders? <laughs> Dodson pulls out a gun and holds Nedry hostage. He
0: explains that he came here for dinosaur embryos. That Nedri was to steal for
3: him, but Nedry screwed up. Dodson traveled to the compound to steal some more. I thought your story about getting caught in a storm was suspicious. Just don't try any heroics. And no one will get hurt. Should Grant try something heroic? Or should he be more concerned about everyone's safety? Press 2 if you want Grant to rush Dodson. Or 4 if you want him to reason with Dodson. Press 2
0: or 4 now. Alright, come on. 2. Rush him. Take him out, Grant. Come on, do it. Be the hero we all wanted you to be. Come on, do it, man. Don't get
1: shot.
3: And can react. Grant leaps forward and grabs his gun hand. The gun swings back and forth as they struggle for control. Watch it! That thing could go off! The gun goes off, firing into the jungle. A frightened pterosaurus flies out from the trees and over the dock. The wind from its huge leathery wings knocks everyone off balance. Watch it! We're coming over the edge! grant and Dodson tumble off the dock into the sea powder about in the water each trying to keep his head above the surface old Dune and kelly manage to grab the pair and pull them out Dodson discovers that he has lost both his gun and the canister containing the embryos the canisters lost that's five years of research down the drain look at the bright side uh, this adventure helps Prove my chaos theory. With that, the group loads the two criminals into the jeeps and drives off to the helipad. Within a short while, a helicopter arrives and flies them all back to the mainland, leaving Jurassic Park behind.
4: Well, that was a nice story.
1: Wow.
5: An story. You make up pretty good stories. Unfortunately, All the dinosaur embryos were lost, which will be a major setback for Hammond and Wu. But you stopped the crooks and helped everyone get off the island. Well done! Next time you play this program, make sure you try different choices. Did you learn all about Wu's special project? There are still lots of neat things to find out in this program. So choose differently and push different buttons the next time you play, and then you may hear a different story. Goodbye for now, and please push my stop button now.
4: <laughs> wow. Well, there it is. That's the you know, one of the options or at least one of the ways that you could play Chaos in Jurassic Park on two XL. So what'd you think of that?
0: Dude, that was incredible like that was so cool just hearing this alternate story uh a lot of new stuff a lot of stuff that seemed to be crossover from the books and the movies uh but definitely new like it felt brand new and
4: uh wow that was cool it feels it's definitely it's definitely 1994 right because it's it seems like it's like the voice actors of like you know uh the old dc animated series like cartoons and mm-hmm. um you know all those shows over at warner brothers and on fox at the time and uh yeah like there was definitely some new things like regis was in there which uh regis never makes an appearance in any of the movies yeah uh and then we've got kelly who that's a new character altogether isn't it kelly is a completely new character altogether she's like this uh she's like this female um vet or like game yeah. warden or something she's like the jerry so. Har- jerry harding i guess right but yeah, kind of. Um, and Kelly's just kind of one of those names that gets thrown around the Jurassic franchise you yeah. know, quite a bit, like, you know, showing up in uh, the second book and the second movie and, yeah. um, you know, something like that. So but, we got
0: like three different Kellys now.
4: Oh, yeah. There's just Kellys all over the place. <laughs> you know, we couldn't get we couldn't get more creative. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, no offense to anybody who has the name Kelly. It's a lovely name. My but, wife. Like it's, it's all name. over. It's all over the Jurassic Park franchise now. So. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of interesting. I thought I'd share that with people. Uh, you know, and obviously we can maybe do other episodes down the line and, and get some different scenarios. Dude,
0: I feel like this is endless. Like, yeah, I guess eventually you you start hitting the same things. But, yeah, there's it feels like there's a lot left, you know, untold. And, you know, at, at 2XL said at the end, like, did we learn enough about Dr. Wu's side project or whatever he was doing? And that's cool. Like, yeah, we... We kinda know what happens there with if you read the book and stuff like that. And he did sort of mention it at one point, one of the routes we took, I guess he kinda mentioned like the smart raptor or whatever.
4: Yeah, um, like the smart raptor. There's there's only one smart one or something. I don't know, it's so, totally I, random. Yeah. And there was something behind a door in the in the genetics lab. So I don't know, totally something random and I don't remember any of these stories really. There's one that I remember that I'm not I'm not trying to steer you towards it. I'd like to find it naturally. So Yeah. Um hopefully we'll come across that in the future.
0: It's so cool because like, I just, I didn't know where it was going to go. And yes, like we keep talking about, we know these stories pretty well, you know, the movies, especially the books, uh, for myself a little bit less, but I I know them well enough. And, uh, it's just funny to, to not kind of know where you're going within this same story that we know. Um, it was surprising enough. Like every, every option that came up, I'm like, yeah, man, I don't really know where they're going to go. I kind of know if I went that way, I would sort of know like where they would go when they say like, do you want to go into a kitchen or to an infirmary or something? I'm like, well, definitely. I kind of know what might happen in a kitchen or I might know what happens if they climb over that fence, but who knows? I, I don't know. Maybe they throw a wrench into it. Maybe they do something a little bit different in there, but I think this story specifically was awesome and and maybe it I don't know. I felt like I felt like it was resolved for me, but 2XL kinda made me question myself there because he's like, Well, oh oh well, they didn't get off the island with the embryos, so there goes all Hammond's work. (laughs) I'm I'm like, oh no, wait, did I lose? Like was that a bad story? Like I don't know. It felt fulfilling, but I really don't know now. I'm like, you know, tossed up here.
4: Yeah, it's and what's great is I totally forgot. I thought Two XL told the story. It I I completely forgot about this like deep voice man that like <laughs> leads you through the story. Um, like this Lex Luthor sounding character. Well, um, that I was totally hilarious. I forgot about that guy.
0: You know, it's it's similar because I recently in the past few months I. I re to the uh, the audiobook and it's similar in a way you know the, the one guy does all the voices the high pitched kid voices and the different you know the women and the, the men and all this stuff so it's really interesting to hear that aspect of it and I was wondering I, I guess I had a question for you um, did it sound that deep or that slowed down because it almost maybe I, I was wondering if like with time and age it kind of slowed it down a little bit. Yeah. like I didn't know if it know, was like a little like... too slow
4: I mean, you know, this is 1994, right, when this came out. So, who really knows? But like <laughs> I said to you during like one of the things, I'm like, oh man, I hope this thing doesn't like snap or whatever. And honestly, <laughs> oh, like, God. I'm thinking about like, you know, I, I go to hit rewind and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go old school. I'm gonna get, pencil. I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a pencil and rewind yeah. this thing manually. Like, I don't, tr- I mean, I don't know where to get another one of these tapes. You can get two XL for you know under 50 bucks on ebay or something like that but like the tape itself i have no clue where to get another one so uh it's one of those things yeah i'm definitely going to manually rewind this thing uh and and do a couple more playthroughs uh in the future for sure but uh that's that's one of the things i enjoyed was that nobody dies like no one is ever in Mortal danger like in the movie like because this is totally let's see on here ages 7 to 12 so like you know Dotson yeah Dotson and Nedry they come across uh some kind of was it she say protoceratops or something you know no dilophosaur and then I I was kind of surprised they had a gun honestly uh (laughs) for it being like a kid's a kid's thing but um you know only in the 90s could you could you really tell stories uh, with with people in like actual gunfire and stuff like that. Not, yeah, you couldn't rate, do that ratings today. were
0: much different, you know, back then. So,
4: yeah, totally.
0: That yeah, that was funny. That uh, that moment when they they came across the uh, Protoceratops. I didn't know what the dinosaur was at first, so I in my head I'm just picturing a Dilophosaurus. I think they said like a dinosaur walks up, six feet long, four foot tall. I'm like, okay, maybe you know, maybe it's a Dilophosaurus. You no, know, again, it has a frill on its neck. I'm like, oh yeah, it is. And then yeah, I'm imagining, exactly. like, a Dilophosaurus laying down on Doxon. He's like, Let, get me off, get this thing off me. And then, like, Ellie's like, shoot, shoot, get away. I thought that was hilarious because she's just like, just leave, dinosaur. And he's freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's- funny.
4: Like, I, I was, I opened, so, like, I kept checking, like, the tape, like, as we were going through, like, oh, like, how far are we into this thing? And we actually, you know, there are stories that don't take up the entire tape, and, and we use the entire tape on this one. So we awesome. got one of the longer stories, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah.
0: I did feel, but- there was a few times where it skipped to a point, and I'm like, man, we didn't even see the T-Rex break out or any of that stuff. So, you know, that was cool. I kind of like that aspect because you know this stuff's going on in the peripherals, you know, that you just, uh, you know of it, but... You kind of catch up to it in a different way.
4: Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, again, it's all about replayability. Um, you know, I know that I definitely got a lot of use out of out of this cassette tape when I was a kid, um, as I did all the other Two XL things. I, you know, it got to a point where I was going through these Two XL tapes, and I just knew all the answers, right? And yeah, in a way, that's good, right? That's what you want your kids to to do. You want your kids to remember like interesting facts or you know, correct correct scientific. Uh, you know questions or whatever like that so um you know these tapes obviously they did what they were designed to do and um I just remember being enamored with this thing and now that I think about it I had to have gotten this the same year that I got like my red t-rex you know and all my Jurassic Park toys at Christmas because mm-hmm. this tape came out in 1994 and Christmas 1993 would have been when I would have gotten my 2xl so uh, oh yeah You know, that had to have been the Christmas that I got, like all those Kenner toys that we were talking about in previous podcasts. So, Mm. you know, this again, is just a nice little reminder of of what that year, you know, or what those few years were like for me in my life, uh, you know, at that time.
0: You know, that it's just so cool here and stuff like that, because, yeah, I think it was a different time. and, And if there is any anybody, you know, younger listening to this right now. It's so funny because both of us are just like, yeah, you'd use a pencil to rewind it if you want to do it carefully. But like kids are like, what are you talking about? Like, like we had stuff like this in the, in the past, you know, tape decks and talk boys, you know, stuff like that. I used to use my talk boy constantly and it was like a similar, no, not, not, well, maybe not similar, but like had a fun kind of aspect with a tape deck. So.
4: You know, I I just remember like, you know, now it's all about, you know, I play video games a lot and it's about it's about being indoors and it's about like, you know, just hanging out like me and my wife both play video games. But I have like really specific memories of, of playing with this robot, like out on a dock, like at, the, at my grandmother's lake, um like cottage or whatever like really? that. And yeah. And so like I had not thought about that moment. And, you know, since just now hearing this tape, like I was like, oh, yeah, like I remember playing this, you know, on the porch or or, you know whatever and i'm looking at the headphone jack and it's it's completely beat up you know like i obviously had listened to it uh you know just kept shoving headphones in and i i start thinking about the headphones that were just like the crappy plastic with the little foamy things over <laughs> the the side you know they probably oh, have yeah. like, like a metal top to them or whatever like that and it's like uh uh-huh. it's it it totally brings like these memories of what the 90s were yeah. um and those were great times being a kid so
0: I those headphones, man. When I, you know, you sometimes that foam would just wear away, and then you'd end up with like oh, this yeah. hard plastic against your ears, and you're like, I don't have any other way to listen to this. I can't fit. There's no like headphone that goes in your ear yet, so it's no. all it's yeah. all like hard covered stuff on top of your head. It's so funny. Like, and you know what the great thing about this is when this is picked up for you in Christmas or '93 or wherever, like. There was no idea that this thing was going to be played 20-something years later on a podcast to for multiple people to enjoy, you know, here. And uh, I think that's something special.
4: Yeah, you know, like things like cassette tapes, you know, it, it's hard finding this very specific one. And I just think, like, these were, these were just cassettes that when people got rid of their cassettes and moved on to CDs, these just got thrown out with them.
0: Yeah, um, that's very true.
4: You know, so, like... You can get them all on eBay, except for for whatever reason, I cannot find this chaos in Jurassic Park one. Uh, and, and it's it's really going to be cool to kind of go through this for like a more of a historical aspect of this. Because, yeah, like I can imagine the recording artist like, you know, maybe maybe I look them up and say, like, hey, we're going to, you know, tweet at them and say, hey, remember this project you did 25 years ago? Like we're rehashing it and maybe they'll give it a listen or something like that. I, I, sh- I should look into it. It's worth it
0: because that story right there was awesome. Like if that's the whole story. I'm happy with that. I thought that was really interesting, the different routes you could take and like the whole Dachshund thing, like being part of the story instead of just, you know, seeing him from a few moments in the beginning of the movie. Obviously, we get more of him in the books and stuff, but that was cool to kind of hear more from him in this circumstance and to be with the rest. And like you said, nobody died off. so. When, I'm, when they, you know, ask me to choose between, like, staying on their own or going with the group, I'm like, dude, go with the group. Like, I want to hear what happens here. It's, it's so interesting.
4: Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, But, uh, yeah, so I think uh, I think we'll wrap up this segment of yes. the Game Trail. And, uh, you know, we'll be back again in the future with, uh, you know, more Game Talk and uh, possibly some more 2XL. We
0: got to do it again, dude. I'm so excited to find out what happens next.
4: All right. Sounds good. I'll talk to you later.
1: See ya. destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Boy, we hate being right all the time.
5: Gonna
0: have to jump. Can. Are you ready? One, two, come on! This week in the audio segment, I've got a few clips from the Hollywood Walk of Fame ceremony featuring the induction of Chris Pratt. Let's take a listen.
1: An the shop girl can be a top Hello, Hollywood. Welcome to this morning's Walk of Fame ceremony. Today, the 2,607th, 7th, let me say that again, 2,607th star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame will go to actor Chris Pratt. Let me tell you a little bit about Chris and cheer for anything that you like. In 2015, Chris headlined Jurassic World, which for your information happens to now be the fourth highest grossing film of all time. Just behind Avatar, Titanic, and Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and for all of you Jurassic World fans, he will reprise his role of Owen Grady in the second installment which will is set for a 2018 release. First of all, just between us, I love you dearly.
2: Uh, I have I could have been hooked up, you know, as a director with so many actors, with so many stars that my you know star was linked to and I thank God in all honesty every day that my star has been linked to yours you are one of the best friends I've ever had in my entire life I love you and I am so so fortunate to have you be the person that I'm spending 10 years making movies with
0: but a while back you you told me we were talking about today and you said this is going to be a great a great moment and I said, yeah, it is. It's going to be an amazing moment. And then you grabbed my face and you said, but the best is yet to come.
2: So I thank you. Thank you for, for letting me speak here. Thank you for being my husband. And um, I, I love you so much. And to so many people around the world, these stars have such significant meaning. And to some, it may mean they travel from a distant land, they might represent opportunity that will forever be out of reach. To some, it may mean an opportunity or a reason to come visit this wonderful city. It might mean for a millennial, an opportunity at a selfie that could garner some likes. If you take a selfie with mine, I'll give you a like. So come to Hollywood. I've got a star now. <laughs> um, to me, as a young, young Chris Pratt, 17 years ago, as I walked across these streets, I realized I didn't recognize a lot of the names. So to me, what they meant was that I needed to bone up on my, my old Hollywood trivia if I was ever going to make it. I needed to start figuring out who these folks were and what they did to get where they are. It's, it's, it's kind of difficult because I don't, I'm not. I'm trying, I'm humbled and I feel grateful, but I'm not sure I'm worthy. And thank you, thanks. And it's just, you know, I'm a man of faith and I believe that God works in mysterious ways and gives us signs and gifts in life. And uh, those gifts oftentimes come in the form of people And so I'll just spend the rest of my time uh, expressing gratitude for the people in my life who are gifts. My mom is here. So that's it. To the chasers, to the dreamers, to all the kids out there, I give you my deepest thanks and my most sincere gratitude. Thank you very much.
0: So if you get a chance, head to our show notes to find a link to the full video because there's some really great moments throughout. Chris's wife, Anna Faris, gave a very touching speech. Guardians of the Galaxy director, James Gunn, had some really great things to say about Chris. And uh, Chris certainly got choked up during his portion of the closing speech. You know, I'll actually include the full video in the show notes, so make sure to skim through it. It is kind of long, but you know, you got to give it a watch. Thanks for listening to the 96th episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. Of course, a huge thanks to contributor of the podcast, Aaron Bayer, for the awesome game trail today. I know I had an absolute blast getting to know K- uh, K2SO. No, this is not Star Wars. 2XL and hearing the new version of Jurassic Park. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. You know, it was it was really great. You know, we've got so much more fun planned in the future with 2XL, so stay tuned for more from him and aaron if you want to interact with us we do most of our work over on twitter at jurassic park pod we're also on facebook at facebook.com jurassic park podcast and our instagram handle is at jurassic park podcast you can listen to us via itunes google play podomatic YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a 5-star review on iTunes or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. We're usually spotted commenting on the Jurassic Park subreddit as Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com for all the links you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, you can send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com, or you can submit questions directly on our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us, and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening, and enjoy.
5: Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.